2: Now, at your service.
1: Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes,
3: yeah, folks. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll well, shortly, but right now, if you have questions, concerns, or comments about your landscape, house or houseplants, or anything that's green, well, not everything is going to be green, that's a plant material, 314 436-7900 or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Maria, it's yes, good sir. to see you. It's good to see you. How you been? Very good. Oh, good. Man, you got a fancy headset there. Oh, yes, this is my Rainbow. <laughs> 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 it's sparkle <Marco> Plenty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's canoe. Uh, not a thing. You know, <laughs> it's good to see you. Yeah. I listen to you at home all the time. Yeah, sure. I do. <laughs> I do. And
4: no, it's true. And I'm like, <laughs> hi, Mike. But you, you
3: never say hi to me. You don't hear me through the radio. <laughs> well, hi, Maria. The <laughs> <I said laughs> see, now we get to say right. hi to each other. Well, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. It is Saturday morning, folks. And we can get together and t- have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting all your plant material, whether it's in your backyard side, front, or inside your house. And uh, all those decisions you have to make and what's going to happen here and there and everything and what you should be doing at this time of year, what you shouldn't be doing, uh, well, just give a call and I'll say, don't do that, do this, do that, do that, do this, that, do do it, doesn't doesn't matter. Anyway, there's all Mm -hmm. sorts of bugs and diseases out there and uh, I'll share my thoughts and hopefully hopefully, it will help you solidify in, uh, your options with that final judgment. The action you're going to take is going to be on your shoulders. And this is your show, as you know, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home, car, wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is Drew. He's producing. It's four or five weeks in a row now. <sighs> Soon he'll be, oh, I'm sick of that garden hotline. I want to do something else. Anyway. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do landscape consultation if you'd like for me to. It's a walk and talk. You can go to, Don't go to my website. My computer is down, and it is driving me nuts. So anyway, just give a call, and uh, we'll try to set something up. You can email, and then uh, I can get a hold of you. Just give me your phone number because I can't email you back. Oh, well. Let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting. Uh, interesting thing. Uh, tomorrow is the fifth anniversary of the full the full solar eclipse. It was in August 21st of 1917. 1917? No. 2017. So five years ago. We had those. They gave you the special cardboard sunglasses to wear. I forget where Tracy and I went. Some down, some place down in Jefferson County, some park or something. And we sat there and watched the full solar eclipse. Also, a hundred years ago, Tracy's father was born. So that's another very important thing on August twenty-first. So lots of different stuff going on. And anyway. Tracy wanted me to say something about her father, and he was a. Actually, I didn't. I didn't even know he was her father. I met him before I met her. I play, used to play badminton, and he was a very good badminton player. So I played, and uh, uh, he's he really helped me out. I wasn't very good. I had taken some classes in uh, college in badminton, but uh, wasn't quite as good as him. And I greatly appreciated what he did. And uh, again, that all oh, that's a good gardening stroll, which is coming up, is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. As I stepped out of my car, the crickets were chiming, good morning. And uh, there's an athletic field, actually a baseball field. There's an outdoor basketball court, expansive lawn, a playground and adds to the mix. There's hackberry trees, there's elms, there's, there's a small grove of Austrian, uh, Austrian pines, and they all blend together along tucker with a spectacular milkweed sunflower butterfly garden. I mean, it is nothing but spectacular right now this time of year. It's, woo, I mean, wow. The front of the building has crabapples dancing with uh, maiden grasses. And there's green berries on the foster holly. Not turning red yet, but close. And nearby is quonsan cherries. The crepe myrtle are the cheerleaders of this particular front of the building. And right at the front entrance, there's magnolias, not magnolias. There's marigolds and spireas. And this is just, a, it really, they brighten up the front entrance. This is the 12th and Park neighborhood facility, which was erected in 1970. And that's when Cervantes was mayor. Uh, Unland was a president, uh, president board of public service. And Buckowitz was a director of parks, recreation and forestry. The north end of the building, there's uh, along Park Avenue, white pines are blending with some more hackberry street trees and a sign designates a playground in the back side of the building. Ray Leisure. What a great day in the outdoors. If you do have any questions or concerns, give us a call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's just go ahead and get Bill's in before we take a break. Bill, how are you today?
5: Good morning. How are you today, Mike? Glad that you uh, get to host our show today. (laughs) I have two questions for you. The uh, sponsor of the show's uh, sells compost, but I don't know how we spread this compost. Do I spread it with a, a seed spreader? Or do I hire a professional?
3: What what do I do? You can do it either way. You can spread it with just a shovel and just toss it around and kind of use a leaf rake to, you know, make it so it's a more even spread. So uh, probably a, a, any kind of normal spreader is going to have a little bit of t- toughness because of just the coarseness and the texture. But uh, you could try it and see what happens, and there's no really right or wrong way, just as long as you get it spread out.
5: Well, if I don't want to do it, I assume there are professionals that do, and uh, does St. Louis Compost uh, have a recommendation on those people? I'm if sure, I go there?
3: Yeah, I'm sure they can recommend some landscape contractors who will help you.
5: Okay. Second one is we have two dogs, and in the uh, spring – all the lawns, front, back, sides are green. But in the, uh, about June, the uh, backyard that's fenced starts to get yellow spots on it. Is there anything I can do uh, about those yellow spots? These, they emanate probably from the girl dog.
3: Yeah, it's basically uh, you know, sort of like the high nitrogen content that's actually in dog urine. People used to think it was the alkalinity. The saltiness, but actually, it's nitrogen that's in, and that's what burns those spots in your yard. There's really not too much you can do unless you want to follow your dogs around, and every time they go to the bathroom, you flush it uh, with a bucket of water. But you no, know, that's just part of the circumstance with having dogs.
5: Okay, Dody, appreciate it. Thank you very much for taking the question, and thanks very much for being on the air all these years. Really sure. been enjoying
3: it. Yeah, I've had great fun doing it. And uh, let's go ahead and take a break. Three one four. 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120.
1: This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, to the phones we go, and let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill, how are you?
1: Pretty good, sir. How are you doing? Very
3: good.
5: you got a fantastic program here, but i got one question for you. Nutgrass. After you spray the nutgrass and it turns brown, can you pull it up or just keep cutting it with the lawnmower?
3: Well, you can pull it up if you want to. I mean, in theory, the nutgrass, you know, nut sedge killer should not kill just the above ground growth. It should go down and kill the little nutlets that are on the tips of the root system. So I'd leave it for a little bit. And then uh, you, after that point, after probably maybe two to three weeks, then you could go ahead and pull it out if you like.
5: Well, thank you very much, sir, and God bless you.
3: Well, thank you. And now let's go over to, hmm, let's go, let's, how about Mary's yard? Hi, Mary. Well, thank you. And now let's go. Turn your radio down, Mary. How about Mary's yard? Hi,
6: Mary.
3: Good morning. How are you, Michael? Very good.
6: Michael, I'm calling because um, I have been growing cannas for decades and I always have beautiful blooms. And this year, I don't have a single bloom on maybe. Fifty
3: can, uh, can uh, of the socks, canas. right? And and
6: what do you think is the problem?
3: I don't know. The weather has kind of messed up a lot of the flowering se- sequences. My cannas just started blooming, probably uh, maybe within the last 10, 10 days or so. Really? So prior to that, I didn't have any. And also, I was uh, you know I've been to a house in Brentwood, and they weren't having they were not with cannas. But they weren't getting any blooms off their morning glories or moonflowers. And my moonflower vines just started blooming the other day. So everything seems to be totally screwed up as far as – and it's got to be related to the weather, overcast, this, that, whatever it happens to be.
6: Well, thank you because you really – I thought for sure I was – the bulbs were too old or something. No, no, no. You
3: know.
6: now, the second thing is I just wanted to say thank you for your wonderful show. And you said to use fertilizer more often on your blooming plants, and my geraniums have never looked so spectacular. So I agree with you. Fertilize more often during the summer, and the plants will look lovely.
3: Well, great. I'm glad to hear you had good luck with it. Thank you very much. Yep. And, yeah, sometimes you just never know, like with the cannas, I mean, as long as the foliage is healthy and everything else, it's just a matter of time, and hopefully they can get their blooms out. You know, I've got uh, some yellow-flowered ones, some red-flowered ones, and it's, I mean, they're spectacular. So, anyway.
6: Well, thank you. You're making my day a little bit brighter.
3: All right, great. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Now, let's head over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hey, hello. Hi. Thanks
6: for the program.
7: Uh, I got two questions, pretty quick, if probably. I have crepe great myrtle, and it, it, it gets very tall uh six eight feet, ten feet, and it blooms, but I'd like to keep it shorter um When should I cut it down close to the ground? Should I cut it?
3: uh, you don't want to go too low because then the new growth may not have the you know let's say the flower buds at the end of the stems, so I would say you could cut it back about halfway and just do the pruning. Any time after they finish flowering, before any kind of new growth begins in the spring, because it's a summer bloomer, so that means it starts setting the flower buds or forming them early in the spring, and that's why they can open up then. Where things that bloom in the springtime, they start setting their flower buds or, you know, forming okay. them in the fall. So just okay. just get it done, pretty, you know, like I said, before any kind of growth begins in the spring.
8: Well,
7: so in the winter, like December would be okay. Yeah. Okay, second question. Um, I, I have a home in Tennessee. It's in eastern Tennessee in the Smoky Mountain foothills. Um, we're going back there first week of September. I, I would like to plant a little vegetable garden. What could I plant that late that, that will be okay?
3: That would be like a cool season type thing. So you're looking at uh, lettuce and spinach and you know things along that line.
7: Okay, so I could do it then and still get some, some product out right. of it. Right, you should be
3: able to, yes. Okay, well, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. <laughs> and 314-436-7900 or one eight hundred 925 Let's head over to Chris's yard. Hi, Chris. Hello, Chris, are you there? No, guess not.
0: mobile phone uses over home internet users during times of congestion.
10: you covered shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 15 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star shopify powers 10 percent of all e-commerce in the u.s and shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, birds rothys and brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries plus shopify's award-winning 24 7 help is their to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast.
3: Chris, are you there? I'm here. Okay.
11: <laughs> um, I have some um, lily of the valleys that have been great in the spring. They look wonderful. But um, what I've had the last two years is they start getting spots on them, and then they end up going totally brown. Um, they come back in the spring, but um, I don't know what's causing them to basically die off um, in the middle of the summer to late summer.
3: Well, are they in the shade?
11: They are um, shaded totally in the morning, um, and then in the afternoon they get quite a bit of sun, late sun. Yeah, yeah. Um,
3: that's probably what the factor is. Even if you've had them historically, you know, maybe with an age or something like that. This uh, the problem with the sun is, you know, they're they're basically getting sunburned, is what it is. Okay. And there's okay. not too much you can do other than give them an additional shade. Maybe put some umbrellas over them. No, you. Don't have to <laughs>
6: okay. All right. Yeah, they're beautiful in the spring, and they right. flower wonderful, but by late summer, they're just dead. <laughs> yeah, they
3: don't look uh, – they're not, uh, let's say, multiple-month multiple, multiple month aesthetically nice. That's for sure. Springtime is good. Usually when they start turning, you know, discoloring, you could actually cut them down so you don't have to see them anymore. So, okay. All right. Well, thank you much. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And (laughs) now let's head over to Denise's yard. Hi, Denise. Hello. Hi. Hi, Denise.
12: Uh, I'm Dennis.
3: Oh, Dennis. Oops, sorry.
12: I have a problem. I've had two years of tomatoes that I have in flower pots and I have them in a greenhouse. And the height is great. I get good height on them, but I don't get the tomatoes. I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. I water them every other day, uh, just to the water them. keep them nice and uh, the, the top soil is wet. And I fertilize it once every two weeks. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. This is the second year I haven't had any tomatoes.
3: Yes, Are you using the same variety as historically you've already grown, always grown? Mm-hmm. Yes. I would probably just try switching varieties and see what, if that will help you. But there's okay. a lot of people have had trouble with tomatoes these last, especially this year. And it's, you know, with the sun, with the light, with, you know, the storms, with this, with that. So even though they're historically doing exactly as they should or have done in the past, water-wise, fertilizing-wise, and you're using tomato food, correct? Yes, right. Yeah, so you're doing everything you can. So it's just, uh, you know, a matter of this Mother Nature, just like I was talking about with the, the morning glories and moonflowers and cannas and things like that. And why you're not getting any fruit set? Are you getting flowers on them? Uh, No. No, no flowers? I would switch varieties just, uh, you know, next year.
12: No, I I didn't plant a squirrel or somebody must have got got it it next to my greenhouse. Mm -hmm. That guy is growing really big, and I have to, you know, uh, kind of put a stake around it so it doesn't get, you know, too full tiny is on that one, should I kind of alter my uh, summer pot and some, put them in the ground? Well,
3: I mean, you, that might help some, but uh, generally if the pot's big enough and the, the actual plant is looks healthy foliage-wise and everything else, that yes. shouldn't be an adverse impact.
12: Oh, okay. So just keep doing what I'm doing, right? And just hope for the best for next year, I
3: guess, Yeah, right? and just maybe... Rather than buying the same variety, just get, a, you know, maybe have one of the same variety and try another different variety and see what see what the production is.
12: Go to, go to different nurseries is what you're seeing.
3: Yeah. Or, I mean, just look at the tag. I don't know what variety you buy, but there are lots of different kinds of tomatoes.
12: Okay. I usually get the
3: early bird. Oh. Yeah, they should have already been, you know, flowering, that's for sure. Right.
12: Okay. I will keep doing it because I thought maybe it was because it's because they're in the greenhouse. You know, I have a nice greenhouse, and gotta make sure no birds, and squirrels get in there. And, <laughs> and
3: so yeah. it sounds like you have everything going right, but uh, the unfortunate thing is you're not getting any production. So.
12: Right.
3: Okay. All right. Well, good luck with that. Maybe just like I said, try switching and see what happens. Okay. Thank you. Yep. My pleasure. And let's see, we got time for another one. Yeah, let's go over to to Cindy's yard. Hi, Cindy. Cindy, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can
13: you hear me? Yes. Yes, um, I'm going to be um, replacing a tree this fall, and I was kind of looking at an autumn blaze maple, but then a friend of mine recommended a ginkgo tree, and I'm not that familiar with those, and I was wondering how they do in this area.
3: Ginkgos do very well, just make sure that you get a male ginkgo and not a female. The female will okay. produce fruit that smells like horrible. So oh, boy, it's, will it's they good. be labeled as such? They should be. And if they don't, okay. if they're not, I would say don't get it.
13: Okay. All right. And about how tall do those get?
3: They get huge.
13: Okay, perfect. That's and what I'm looking for.
3: A and they're really tree. they're they're relatively slow growing. They have nice fall color, kind of an interesting, unique shape leaf. Kind of a and has mm-hmm. kind of a waxy texture to it as well,
13: okay, all right, well, real fun, and they're pretty uh available in the area at the um, um landscape and um uh, places
3: most, yeah, most nurseries should have them okay, very good, well, thank you for your help. love your program. Well, great, well, thank you. yeah, I don't know if thank the big you. box stores are going to have them or not, so
13: yeah, no, I probably need to go to a nursery, right, exactly.
3: Well, thanks, Cindy. Now,
13: does the silver maple does that, or the autumn uh, autumn uh, uh, glory or whatever it was I mentioned, does that get taller than the ginkgo?
3: No, not necessarily, but it's going to get there a lot faster.
13: Okay, it's a little bit faster growing. Right. Okay, well, very good. Thank
3: you so much. Appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And here's uh, kind of addressing the tomato f- you know, fruit set problem. High temperatures, especially accompanied by lower humidities, Hinder tomato fruit set, and that's you know, what it does is sort of like keep the pollen from forming, so the fertilization doesn't happen. So temperatures above ninety during the day and seventy at night can cause poor flowering and reduce, you know, fruit set as a result of that. Extreme cases, none of the flowers will pollinate, and you're going to end up with a blind, fruitless, you know, cl- you know, cluster. So research indicates that nighttime temperatures is more crucial than the daytime temperatures. So when the nighttime temperatures are above 70 degrees, that's when it's going to start really screwing up tomato set. So just realize that's important. It's important to note that temperature cannot always be blamed for poor fruit set. Uh, Just understand this variety-wise, even if you're doing everything just correct. Uh, just, you know, that's what the whole you know scenario is. So, again, the gentleman with the tomato problem, it was strictly related to our crazy temperatures this year. So, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. 925 1120 We have phone
1: lines open. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
3: If you're into applying uh, pre-emergence, this is the time of year when you want to put the pre emergent down within the next week or two for the cool season annual weeds. And those include henbit, dead nettle, chickweed, annual bluegrass, and several other ones as well. So if you've had a history of problems with that and understand that crabgrass and chickweed a lot of times are going to be more problematic if you cut your lawn too short. So understand that that is really a real, real problem. So if you want to use a pre-emergent for controlling cool season weeds, now they've, the seeds have been laying there for a long, long time. So in other words, the plants die off when the weather starts getting hot, but during that time they've been growing, they have been producing seeds that just kind of lay there until the weather is just right and then they start growing again. So just understand uh, that's a whole story behind pre emergence. Let's go now to – where should we go first? Uh, How about Linda's yard? Hi, Linda.
14: Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Um, A friend of mine moved into a house, and the former owner let the boxwoods um, just overgrow. And she wanted to know – she asked me about – and I don't have boxwoods. Asked me about trimming them back. Like, when is the best time to trim them, and
3: how much could she trim them back? Well you just have to be careful with, you know, pruning too much because there's only, you know, boxwood can be huge, but when you look into the interior of it, there is no leaves basically. So if you cut it back to the point where there's no leaves on the stems or twigs that you have left, then uh the chances of new foliage coming out at those points is going to be somewhat iffy. It's going to be related to weather and all kinds of other factors also. So I would say it, you know, she should just, over a couple years, you know, reduce the size if that's what she wants to do, as opposed to just trying to do it with one big cutting all at once.
14: Well, I think she said her uh, son and daughter trimmed it, just like shaped them in May.
3: Okay. The, well,
14: height, the height of them.
3: Yeah, what the problem was- is, if you, you know, you prune going into summertime – sometimes that could lead to some sunburn on the foliage that remains, and then that foliage is going to just become dysfunctional and fall off. So the ideal oh, time to do it is, you know, basically this time of year when the weather starts cooling down a little bit and get it done before we get to too close into wintertime because there could be some winter damage as a result of that.
9: Oh, okay. And thank you. And
14: could I uh... – that we go to that we get plants that are so excellent. This man, you were talking about talking to this man who didn't even have any flowers on his tomatoes. That's unbelievable. I mean, we have tomatoes from this greenhouse that are over a pound a piece. say <laughs> I say beefsteak tomatoes? Beefsteak is a great variety. They had these ones called Boy Oh Boys. Can I say the name of it? Sure. Okay, it's Weetops. W I E T H O P greenhouses. They might have a couple of locations. They're closed right now, but because you're growing mums, I think, in uh, poinsettias. But it's at 6129 Lime Ferry Road. It's down close to Arnold, uh, the St. Louis County, South St. Louis, and Arnold border. But that greenhouse is amazing. They have the most healthiest plants. Basket, hanging baskets, flowers, you know, and all kinds of varieties, tropicals and annuals and perennials, just unbelievable plants.
4: Well, great. So, you know, I just
14: highly, wanted to highly recommend that for his tomatoes. I, yeah, I don't work
3: tomatoes.
14: <laughs> 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 I don't work there, but we had a, a situation with our tomatoes, too. At first, they got some kind of a disease on them, which we had to treat that and pull a bunch of leaves off. And then because of the heat and the sun and everything, and I guess you were saying low humidity, the blossoms, you know, they wouldn't even produce tomatoes for a while. But then once they started, they're really doing great now.
3: Well, great. Well, thanks, Linda. greatly appreciate it. And now let's head over to, uh, let's see, why don't we go to James Yard. Hi, James.
15: Hello. How are you doing, Mike? Very good. How are you? Yeah, I have a question. Um, I have a rental property in North County, and – we had these huge shrubs in the front. They've been there for years, and you have to keep them maintained. So I just recently they were kind of on the downside. So I had them cut down to about from six about six inches from the ground. And what I want to do, I don't. I want to get it totally down and maybe get all the roots out and go back with either a rock garden, some decorative, or either some very small shrubs. And I want to know what's the best way. To get those um those roots out, should I stump grind the stump down and then try to put something down to kill the roots, or do I have to dig it all out or what
3: well ideally, the best thing to do is try to dig it you know dig out as much as you possibly can, and I don't know what kind of shrubs these you know these are they're shrubs and not trees, correct
15: well i I believe they were shrubs, they were just large, okay, you know they were i mean they were about. Uh, maybe five and a half feet tall, but big and around. They might be in a bent boxwood because I know down at the bottom it's kind of bare. Okay. So you know, I don't know.
3: Okay. Yeah, you should dig dig as much of the root system out as you possibly can because you can't really stump grind a you know a shrub. Right. A tree service is not going to come out and, and bother doing that. So mm-hmm. just dig out as much as you can. Be patient and don't try to get a whole bunch of stuff done immediately and just you know kind of do it in a logical sequence.
15: Okay, is there anything you can put in there to help ride out their root to make it easier to get out?
3: No, there really isn't to be honest. I mean, there are things that you know will help let's say stump, you know, stump rotting and all that other stuff, but that's mm-hmm. you know that's kind of just a, a crazy involved process.
15: Okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot for the information. I appreciate. It. Enjoy sure. your show. Yeah, I'm, I'm
3: fortunate, uh, you know, but uh, this way you can give up your membership to the gym because you're going to be using your muscles to dig these things out.
15: <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I are trying to get somebody else to do it, not me.
3: <laughs> well, good luck. All right. Thanks a
15: lot. Pretty sure. Good.
3: My right. pleasure. And let's head over to Nancy's. Hi, Nancy.
9: Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I have a question. I have an organic gardener, or at least I've been trying to. But then I have a lot of this uh, nutgrass in there. I was wondering if there's anything I can use to kill that that won't harm people.
3: Uh, basically, any kind of herbicide it could have an you know adverse impact. And if you've got nutgrass in there, there's really not too much you can do from an organic standpoint to get it under control.
9: Mm, darn. Mm. Okay, well, that's not so, afraid of.
3: <laughs> yeah, so usually nutgrass is in areas where it's you know overly moist and wet. Wet. So this spot must have had the nutgrass in it before you started you know planting your garden in there.
9: Uh, yeah, probably. Right. Um, it's been going on for a while, and I know that you said don't pull it out because then you'll get all those little seeds in the packets underneath the thing to make more nutgrass. Right. Thought, exactly. Oh,
3: so, yeah, that's that's a vicious weed. There's no getting around it,
9: yeah, hmm. I wonder if I could just dig out a big section of the dirt and pitch it where the nutgrass is most prevalent.
3: well, you could I mean, you could just you know dig up like a one foot square and shake it, you know, shake it, and you know and get the nutgrass out of it that way, But you're just gonna have to watch out if these are mature you know nutgrass plants, then they're gonna have the little nutlets, and then if you shake it then you're going to just oh. shake those nuts seeds oh, back okay. into the you know back into where they came from
9: oh dear oh dear okay well i guess i'm in a pickle then <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right thank you so much
3: sure my pleasure now one thing you could do is you could put uh let's say landscape fabric over the area put some side oh. let's say boards or something and create a raised bed circumstance because the, the landscape fabric will still allow water and everything to penetrate past that, but it won't allow the nutgrass to come up through it. And then with the raised bed, then you're going to have, a, let's say, make sure you get a clean, you know, topsoil compost mix to actually grow some things in.
9: Oh, good. Okay. That sounds good.
3: All right. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, we're past mid-August, so don't do
3: any fertilization to your roses after this point. It's You're going to cause some problems. You're going to prevent them from going dormant as the weather gets colder, so just be really careful about that. And uh, also, you might start seeing on your lilacs, your phlox, your zinnias, some powdery mildew, which is kind of a gray, foggy-looking stuff, it really doesn't cause any problems. It's an aesthetic th- situation, so control is not really worth uh, doing anything at all. Now I'm going to do the last feeding of my zoysia lawn. I've already fed my backyard. I'm going to be feeding my front yard. I use a liquid feed, and uh, that's I'm going to be doing that either today or you know in the near future to get that taken care of. So that's going to be the final feeding on the zoysia, too. So you want to make sure that you get certain things. You stop fertilizing or you start, you know, do the final fertilization. And then with your cool season lawns, your fescues and bluegrasses and things like that, you're going to be uh, starting the whole you know situation with uh, maybe core aeration, seeding, composting, fertilization, and everything else. So let's head over to Doug's yard. Hi, Doug.
16: Yeah, Mike. Uh, I just cut down a burning bush that died in a month's time. I have a huge area that I want to cover, and I'm thinking of doing it with a low uh, evergreen-type bush. What would you recommend for that?
3: How low is low?
16: Oh, foot, foot and a half. Uh,
3: Probably, I mean, there's several varieties of junipers, like blue rug and things like that. They're going to stay, you know, that low. That take no pruning at all, and they—I mean—they are going to spread out. So just realize that that's going to be the situation. So look at uh,
16: as far as size on the ground. I mean, that's no problem. You can always cut them back. Sure. Yeah. And the other thing, uh, you—you—you tell people to put down the uh, fabric and cover it with mulch. I've done that for years, and when you do that, you keep doing that. As the mulch deteriorates, you wind up having dirt. And all sorts of weeds and plants will grow in that dirt above the fabric,
3: right? Right, it certainly will. The fabric basically keeps anything from growing from underneath, but it won't prevent anything from weed seed wise or whatever from coming in and growing down from the top into the landscape fabric.
16: Now, the, and I've talked to you before about one of the things that I have found works is horticultural vinegar, which is 31% acid. If you spray that on a plant in the morning, that plant will be dead in the afternoon. Right. Yeah. So, okay. I thank you.
3: Okay. Great. Well, thanks, Doug. And let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hello, Bill. My, yeah,
8: Mike. Uh, I've got a fescue lawn that uh, it's a full sun lawn and it has some irregular uh, brown patches that you know as far as i can tell it it, it could be that uh, brown patch uh, fungus right and, and uh so i had scheduled aeration uh the end of this uh, month and uh, i'm now uh thinking uh would it be better to aerate or dethatch it and uh the other thing is uh should i change the uh how I fertilize, uh, maybe less nitrogen, and maybe not water as much. Uh, And I'm sorry to ask so many questions. But then last, should I uh, rake up the uh, dead grass? Does that help? Um, And and I did have a soil test two years ago, so I do know a little bit about the lawn.
3: Yeah, basically what you have to make sure you're doing – is with your fescue lawn, your cool season lawn, that you're not fertilizing it at all in the summertime because you can cause more problems. And any kind of fungus, if you know you have a history of fungus in your yard, you should, you know, once you get the new seed and everything and the core aeration and everything done, then you can start going after any kind of fungus. And then next year, as we come out of wintertime, in the springtime, April, you know, April, you know, it's going to be March, April, do an application of the fungicides at that time. If you want to get them under control, it's you got to start before you see it. That's the best way to do it. Okay. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And we're probably not going to be able to get another call in because we have less than a minute, but anyway, other things that you need to be thinking about, uh, your annuals, you can still keep fertilizing them. I mean, they, some of mine are really looking spectacular and, uh, other ones that you you know just watch out about any kind of fertilization on certain things. So, like I said with the roses, forget it, don't do it at all. This time of year, if you want to have a cool season lawn, cool season, you know, vegetables for the fall would be planted in August basically now. Lettuce, radishes, cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, spinach and turnips. So the gentleman that was going to head to Tennessee and plant, those are some of the other things that he could plant as well. I said lettuce and, uh, you know, and you could still do some of the herbs, too. So anyway, lots of stuff can be done this time of year. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden
1: Hotline, back after the news. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, it is the
3: Garden Hotline tip of the trowel, and I'll be giving that shortly. But right now, you can give a call 314-436-7900 or or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs and all arounds of annuals. Can you still... There should be some pansies coming out, you know, at some of the garden centers real soon. So if you want to add a little bit of spice to your landscape or, you know, to your pots or whatever, you can certainly get some pansies uh, for the cool season. But some of the other annuals uh, are still looking really, really good. Your bulbs, your spring flowering bulbs, yes, you can order them, you can buy them and everything else, but don't plant them yet. It's too early to do the plant installation. Your edibles—I already talked about some of the vegetables and things you can grow for the in the fall. And uh, your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, your perennials, your roses, trees, shrubs, vines, water gardens, and all kinds of different stuff. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember, my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take towards success. And for you, realize that. Uh, across the big board and answering the phone as well is Drew and uh, so when you call in all he needs is your first name during the week and weekends both i do what i call a landscape uh, a walk a walk and talk and what you can do is just call me and uh, you know or you can email and uh, leave me your phone number because i can't get back in touch with you with cause my computer's messed up right now but anyway, so if you'd like for me to come and do a walk and talk today after the show, I'm headed towards High Ridge. This past week, I was actually in Maryland Heights, so I was high in Maryland Heights, and now I'm going to be in High High Ridge. But anyway, the uh, the yard up in Maryland Heights was a kind of a unique situation. First of all, the lady who lived there, her last name was Woods, and this yard was the woods. I mean, there was a bunch of huge trees in her yard. And it was doing some limitations on certain things. But she had been really doing a great job for several years. And uh, so, but I told her, I said, success is going to be limited not by the shade factor because there's plenty of things that are shade tolerant. But what the factor that limits is the tree root systems. And these trees were big enough that they, I told her, it was probably like almost a hardwood floor underneath the soil. So that was, she had some limitations as a result of that. So anyway, I get to see some very unique yards, and I'm looking forward to heading out to uh, High Ridge right after the show today. And a tip of the trials is a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me. It's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. You know Brian Kelly. He's been doing the news here for several years And he loves birds. He loves plant material and everything else. Well, Brian Kelly is no longer here uh, at uh, KM Wex. So a tip of the trial goes out to Brian for all the conversations that I had with him and all the stories that he shared related to hummingbirds and all the other birds and his transition of his landscape into a little bit more developed. And he's moved to a new home now, and he's got a whole new circumstance to head into so tip of the trial goes out to brian kelly brian i'll miss you and uh we certainly appreciate all your insight whether not weather wise but news wise and just related to the outdoors so thanks again i greatly appreciate it let's go ahead and get a couple calls in before we go to break let's go to teresa teresa how are Morning, you today? Mike. hi
15: is it okay to trim my knockout roses again
3: yeah, there's no problem doing that.
15: Okay, thank you so much, and thank you for your show.
3: Yeah, but stay just stay safe. Oh, yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, thank you, and also just remember no more fertilizing on your roses, regardless of their knockout roses or any other type. let Okay, go. thank you, sir. Yep, and now let's go over to Chris. Hi, Chris. How are you?
16: Hey, Mike. Um, the gentleman that called earlier mentioned horticultural vinegar. Right. And I was driving, and I was very excited because I thought about it as a possibility. I'm trying to to clean a lake shore, and so I was going to try it on some of my stuff, and I immediately called a big box store and uh, a nursery, and they both said, we don't have it, so where do you get such a thing <laughs>
3: I would say probably the best way to do it rather than, you know, making a lot of phone calls is just go online and see where, you know, locally they may have it.
16: Okay. Um, Do you know, is that, like, um, very safe for if I were to accidentally put that into the lake, would it uh, be okay for the fish and uh, whatever's in there?
3: Yeah, you're not going to spill that much in there that's going to make that much difference. But it's pretty, you know, organic and, uh, I mean... I guess if there was a fish right there and you know, came right down on top of it, but uh, I don't think it should be a problem.
16: Okay, super. Well, thank you so much for our show.
3: Right. I greatly appreciate you and you having me on your show. Also, just remember with any product, doesn't matter if it's organic like this, so horticultural vinegar or anything else, read the label because there may be cautionary things related to that. That I, you know, I can't remember every label of every plant or every chemical or herbicide or whatever it happens to be. So there may be something that you can check online to see if, you know, this can be used on the edge of water and, you know, circumstances like that. So just stay, right. you know, stay conscious of that.
11: Thank you, Mike. Yeah, my Take pleasure.
3: Care. And now let's go over to Susie's. Hi, Susie.
11: Hi, good morning. How are you? Good. Uh, I have brown spots on my lawn, which it's dead grass, okay? So I raked it all off, and uh, I did put down grass seed, and I'm watering it. But now uh, a thin blade green grass is spiking up, and it's like, oh, it, uh, it only has like three spikes on it. And I
3: don't know what kind of grass that is well f- right where it comes out of the ground, feel it and see if it feels triangular as far as the stem goes. You may have nut grass there, and that's something completely different now also there's a you know this time of year you could have the you know the eruption of a weed which is an annual bluegrass or just an annual grass that's mm-hmm. you know that's you know that could be problematic so this, you know even though it's a little bit premature uh the annual bluegrass can come up and be you know cause cause you trouble trouble in those spots
11: anything like that pardon it's, me its it's it doesn't look like bluegrass okay it's it is bright green and um kind of yellow green and it's just spikes up straight up <laughs>
3: I would say that sounds like nutsedge, but you you have access to uh, the Internet? Yes. Just put nutgrass in and see if that's what you've got.
11: Okay. Now, also, I want to know, I did, I'm too late. I did fertilize my roses last week. So do I do extra water on them, or what do I do? No,
3: you made it. You you just wanted to get a, you know, I mean, when they set a deadline like August 15th, I mean, there's a little bit of wavering as far as, well, you did it to, to you know a few days early, a few days late. You just want to make sure that the majority of it, that you stop doing it just in general. You don't have to specifically stop by that date because yeah. with our okay. screwy weather.
11: And do you know if this horal uh, cultural vinegar, if... I have this uh, morning glory vines that come up at the roots of my roses, and it's hard to get down there to pull them out, and they travel like crazy. Can I just take, when they get a longer vine, can I just pull that over to the side and put that vinegar on there, and will it go back to the root?
3: Uh, It should be systemic. So, yeah, it should kill it all the way back. But what you have is something called bindweed, B-I-N-D. That has small white flowers, but it's in the Morning Glory family.
11: Yeah, and it is all over.
3: Oh, yeah, it's vicious.
11: And I can't, I don't know, I keep, you know, pulling it up and trying to spray something on it. And my last question is, my neighbor's lawn is full of crabgrass. And he asked me the other day what he could do spray on it. And I said, I don't know. Uh, what can you spray on crabgrass?
3: Well, there is a crabgrass killer specifically for that. But what he can do is next year, you know, he can try a pre-emergent to get it under control from that standpoint. Okay. You, that's you'd be putting that. That would be a pre-emergent for the warm season annual weeds and you'd be putting the pre-emergent down when the yellow forsythia is in bloom next spring.
11: Okay, I'll tell him that. Um, Thank you very much, and I want to tell you that I gave up on my avocado tree. (laughs) 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 I thought, I'm going to prove you wrong. It's going to bring avocados, but no, I just threw it away. (laughs) (laughs) So. Thank you very much for all your information. You are really a great source. (laughs) Well, (laughs) thanks. I appreciate it, and
3: thank you again. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMWASH Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got
3: some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Denny's yard. Hi, Denny. Good morning, Mike. Good morning.
8: A couple questions that you probably answered a couple hundred times before. But for azaleas and hydrangeas, three questions. What do we feed them, when do we feed them, and when do we trim
3: them? Basically, with the azaleas, if if you need to prune them or hydrangeas, either one, best time to prune is right after they finish flowering. And the type of fertilizer you want to use, you want to use an acid-based fertilizer. So they're, that's going to have some of uh, the elements that those plants need. So they need, if, especially if they're planted close to uh, a house foundation or a sidewalk or a concrete driveway or anything like that, because alkalinity can leach out from those particular surfaces or, you know, let's say I, they're not really necessarily surfaces if it's a foundation. So that's what you need to do. and uh what was the third the third question
8: and, and, and when do you feed them Mike?
3: Oh you feed them basically with the uh, with the azaleas you want to, as we're coming out of wintertime sometime within probably late February, early March that would be the first one, then another month and then another month with the final feeding either late May or early June. Also
8: okay and hydrangeas.
3: It's pretty much the same thing. Depending upon okay. – now, there's lots of different hydrangeas. There's the ever-blooming ones. There's ones that bloom in the spring. There's ones that bloom in the fall. So it's just going to be dependent upon what variety that you have. You want to fertilize uh, prior to – you know, while the buds are just kind of there and not open yet, that just gives it the strength because a flowering really weakens plants just kind of in general, any plant. It doesn't harm them. It just weakens them – and that's why you want to have uh the fertilizer there to keep them built up and strong.
12: Super. So we so we use
8: acid on both the azalea and the hydrangea. Right,
3: correct? exactly.
8: Okay. All right. Mike thanks very much. Have a great day.
3: Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, and the acid-based fertilizer also goes for anything that's an evergreen too. Uh whether it's a pine tree, whether it's a, you know, an azalea, whether it's an arborvitae, whether it's a holly, whether it's Anything boxwood, all that stuff, so thanks, Denny, and now let's go over to Mike Shard. Hi, Mike
7: well oh, good morning, Mike. Uh, thank you for your show sure, um so I called a few months ago about transplanting blackberries. What would be the best time this fall uh, after the leaves come off or before they
3: you can on? really do it you know as it, you know if if you're let's say you got the strength and the energy and everything else. Once we get probably past Labor Day, probably any time after that you can do it. You don't have to wait for the foliage to fall off or anything.
7: And um, as far as getting the roots, I don't want to cut off the root system. Uh, Should I go, what, 6 or 10 inches below the the
3: ground? Yeah, basically one spade deep should be adequate and just, you know, Water them the night before, and this is with anything that you're transplanting the night before. Have the new location already set and ready to go and get them into the ground as soon as you can. And then realize within the first couple of weeks of uh, the transplanting, you may have to water, depending upon our weather, which who knows what it's going to be. Uh, don't let them go through any kind of drought stress.
7: So keep them watered? Yeah. And uh, so I've been eating blackberries also, and I've got a lot of ones that were not edible. Uh, are there seeds on those, and can I scatter those around uh, the ground too? To, will they grow?
3: Well, they could, but it's it would be problematic, let's put it that way, to try to grow them from seed. I mean, uh, I mean, the real, let's say, professional growers and things like that, they don't grow blackberries from seed. They grow them from divisions of existing plants.
7: Huh, interesting. Okay, and final question. I've got a peach seed from a peach that I ate. If I put that in the ground, will that grow into a tree?
3: (laughs) Yeah, 100 years from now. No, I mean, you could grow it in a pot and just see what happens to see if you could get, you know, to see if it's going to germinate. But a lot of the varieties of peaches don't necessarily grow in this region, so it may start, you know, the seed may, you know, the, or the peach pit may actually start producing some growth. But as far as survivability, that's going to be another circumstance. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thanks so much. Sure. My pleasure. So we've got some phone lines again, 314-436-7900 or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. 925 1120 With your cool season lawns, remember, we've basically coming t- – The toughest months for the cool season lawns of fescues and bluegrasses is July, late July through August. That's the hardest time of year for them. And uh, so, I mean, just buffer that uh, with, uh, you know, correct watering and everything else. And I can't believe how many people are continuing to cut their grasses so short That's just really trouble, especially with a cool season lawn and even a warm season lawn. You don't want to cut them too short because you expose the crown and then uh, you really get uh, some nasty situations where it sets up a scenario where you're going to have an invasion of weeds that you couldn't possibly believe. So just make sure that uh, as we're heading into fall, this is a time of year when the cool season lawns really need some uh, some help. So that's when you want to do the fertilization and the grass, you know, the grass, grass seeding and a correlation with compost. That's, you know, that's a real plus as well. So uh, if you've got a bad weed situation, regardless of what it is, you can put some, you know, new seed down as a result of that. But uh You can't expect any kind of lawn to be able to control weeds. I don't care if it's zoysia or a cool season lawn like fescue or bluegrass. The weeds are tough. There's no getting around it. So let's, why don't we go ahead and get one more call in before we go to break. Let's go to Sandy's. Hi, Sandy. Good morning. Good morning. I
17: heard you mention that bindweed. Right. And I have that on one end of my driveway and the problem is I'm allergic to it, so I can't pull it with my hands. Or I've had it in my eyes and everywhere, and I don't know. Is there any way to get rid of that?
3: Is it growing in lawn on lawn, or is it growing? No, on-
17: at the end of one side of my driveway, I have four shrubs and some perennials, and it's all in there. And I, I just don't. I guess I was thinking this fall I maybe would have to dig the whole thing up <laughs> and start over. I don't know.
3: Well, you could do that or you could kind of unwind it and then unwind, you know, one or two feet of them. I know it's a hassle and you can't do it, but have somebody that can help you do it and then just paint some uh, some herbicide on it to kill it off, like a, a weed-be-gone type thing.
17: Okay. All right. Yeah, it's a real pain. Because like I said, if I wasn't allergic to it, it would. I could just tear it out of there real easy. But, right. Uh,
3: but, yeah, I mean, you, then you don't get rid of the root system. But just next year, watch out. And when you start to see it sprout, then go out there with an herbicide and just paint it right onto the the bindweed leaves.
17: I see. Okay. All right. Great. I'll try that.
3: Thank right. you so much. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Back to the phones
3: we go, and let's head over to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda.
1: Hi. Good morning.
18: Good morning. I have an eight-foot arborvitae, five of them, and only one is turning brown on one side. One side, one line goes from top of the tree to the bottom. One side is brown; the other side is green, and it's spreading around the tree. The other four are fine. Do you think this could be caused by drought, maybe, or do you think it could have been by weed killer spray?
3: Uh, weed killer spray just on one side like that generally is not gonna be I mean, I don't know what kind of weed killer it would be that well, we could do something lawn, like that
18: lawn uh, lawn uh,
3: spray. Yeah, I don't think that would be the you know the case, especially why it would just be one out of the five, you know one out of the five. Yeah. I would think that maybe this one was planted a little bit too deep or it's planted a little bit different than the other four and that's why it's ha- having these problems.
18: All right, there is a storm drain close very close to this uh, that meadow that heats up when it gets hot. Oh. And I wondered if that got hot uh and uh, caused uh it
3: burn. I mean I guess it could. I mean it's going to radiate some heat but uh you know it's probably a factor with the weather with all kinds of different you know th- things that are playing a role in the kind of the downhill but it seems like the arborviti just in general when everybody any or anybody that calls a show has you know multiple Arborvitae or all planted at the same time there's always trouble with one and it's it's got to be related to several different factors all at once
18: Okay. Also I have a wall, a thick wall of Arborvitae, and they're about ten, eleven feet tall. Uh, they're still green and beautiful. But uh it's so solid I'd like to see through it or can I trim Arborvitae from the top or from the bottom and cut away some branches?
3: Uh, you could limit up a little bit but you just gotta watch out. They would prefer to be left alone.
18: Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you very much. Sure. Good talking to you.
3: Yeah, I mean, they can be pruned, but uh, you start doing something like that, it could send them, you know, send them downhill. So what you had is going to be, yes, less oh, less, more open, but it's going to be ooh, maybe ugly. So you could try it and see what happens, and uh, good luck.
18: Are they sensitive to having the branches trimmed?
3: Yeah, it's, they just don't like to be pruned, in essence. If you're gonna prune the branches off, you've gotta prune it all the way back to where it's you know attached to the you know either the secondary trunk or the main trunk. Don't oh. just cut it back don't stub it back,
18: okay, but you can cut it to the trunk right okay, very good thank you
3: sure, good luck with that, and let's see why don't we go to let's go over to Tom's yard Hi, Tom
19: hi, good morning, Mike. thanks for uh taking my call, I have a couple of questions. Uh, We have a magnolia. It's about, oh, fifteen 15 to 18 feet tall, and it's very, very healthy. And since about the end of June, we've been getting new blooms on the very top, say about the top foot or foot and a half. I'm wondering if that is kind of unusual or typical.
3: Well, it's not. It could be typical, but it's not necessarily going to be typical from the standpoint you're going to have it happen every year because this is probably maybe the first year that you've had this happen to this particular magnolia uh, is this a summer bloomer is this an evergreen one is this a spring blooming
19: oh it's uh spring blooming deciduous it's uh, yeah we planted it probably about 10 years ago
3: yeah and this is probably uh, the first time so it's just a you know screwy weather and everything else the unfortunate thing is when the blooms open up you know let's say out of sequence, consequently, then those, you know, those points are not going to have any flowers in the springtime if that's when it's, you know, normally supposed to be blooming. Mm-hmm.
19: Okay, great. And my second question is about root pruning. We've got a, a serviceberry tree. It's about, oh, 15 feet tall, and the trunk is about two inches in diameter. Um, is there any benefit to root pruning that
12: uh, to,
3: ben-
19: uh, to stimulate more uh, leaf growth?
3: No, that's not really going to help. Okay. I mean, it's and, a native tree and a native shrub, whatever. And they, whatever growth they're doing, that's just what they're going to do. You're not going to be able to, you know, trigger anything else other than what's ha- normally happening.
19: Okay, great. Uh, can you talk about root printing in general, what, uh, what the benefits are and the, the downsides?
3: Yeah, the downside is once you start reducing the biomass of the tree roots... Then it could, any tree, any shrub, anything could have uh, a detrimental effect on the above ground growth because the below ground growth, the root system, that's where all the feeder roots are, that's where the nutrients come in, that's where the moisture comes in. If you reduce that biomass there, then it's going to have an impact, you know, potentially on the above ground growth, be it the leaves, be it the twigs, be it the flowers, be it whatever.
19: Great. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Sure. Bye bye.
3: See ya. And now let's go over to Diane's yard. Hi, Diane. Hi, Mike. Hi. I'm curious about
20: uh rehoming a plant. I have a uh it's a philodendron family. It's huge. Got great big giant green jagged leaves. I've had it since the seventies. I keep transplanting it and now it's too big for my house. <laughs> It's a tropical, right? And I have to bring it in. And I'm wondering, I'm in my 69th year. I don't know that I can get it in the house anymore.
3: And what would you like to have happen? Does
20: the botanical garden take donations like this?
3: No, they don't. You they're know, are, they're fearful of you know, diseases, and even if it's yeah. perfectly free and everything else. I'll tell you, there's an organization called Gateway Greening. Yeah. And you might contact Gateway Greening. I think they may be able to help you. Okay. That's wonderful. Great. Good luck. Thank yeah. you. I mean, it's okay. it's great to have great success, but I agree with you. I've got a couple of plants that, uh, you know, my wife says, you got to stop carrying those because we have... Our entrance into the basement, I have to go down steps, so I have to carry them down and put them under grow lights, Mm. you know, in the basement. And those things are getting pretty darn heavy. And I'm 73, so, uh, you know, I understand.
20: So I planted it in a 55-gallon plastic planter drum last summer because it's growing out of the pot. Right. So this thing is 10 feet tall. (laughs) and i have to drag it in i mean i get help to drag it in sure. but it lives in my bedroom all winter and it's like monstrous <laughs> <laughs> it wants to live that bad that right. i'm worried about if i go who's going to take care of it right
3: well also you know you can give it away but also you can take a cutting off of it and then root the cutting and you know have a small version of it
12: true
20: somebody wants a cutting maybe i'll just start giving it away like that (laughs)
3: that's right
20: yeah that's a good idea
3: all right thank you mike sure my pleasure and why don't we go ahead and take break 314-436-7900-1800-925-1120
1: this is the st louis composting garden hotline with mike miller on the voice of st louis kmox
3: we got a few phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary.
21: Hi. Um, I have a few questions, and I heard you uh, discussing tomatoes before, and I was just wondering, what do you think, you know, for the rest of the season? It's been a pretty crazy summer, and I've had pretty good luck. I've got the little tomatoes, they're sweet 100s. But uh it seems like they're slowing down and I just wonder generally, you know, do you think there's still a chance to get a fair amount of tomatoes?
3: Yeah, I think you'll still get some because the days are getting shorter. That's going to, you know, send some of the, you know, the summertime stuff downhill, but uh you should be able to get some additional tomatoes.
21: Okay. Okay. Um a friend of mine told me if if the plant is broken, and it's broken where it forks, so you get, like, two pieces of the plant. You can put it in water, and it'll root, and then plant it. And I just did that recently. So I don't expect to get a lot out of that piece, but it does seem like it's doing okay other than transplant shock.
3: So is this a tomato you're talking about? Yeah, oh. yeah. Well, I don't think you're ever – it's never going to be able to do much. other. Yeah, it's more or less a cut flower you know, in the water and everything else, but it's not going to be ever be, you know, productive.
21: Well, I did it with one. and <laughs> It's actually got some little tomatoes growing really? on it. Wow. Yeah, not a lot, but some. And just because I'd never did it before, I decided to cut off the growing end, the top of it. And it's got like 10 tomatoes on it. And the plant seems fairly strong.
12: Oh,
3: really? I yeah. wouldn't think it would have adequate root system.
21: I know, but it really does root in water. If you get enough, you can't just take, like, one piece, you know, and stick that in water because that won't do anything. I've tried that before. So, Oh, and my other question was, should I stop fertilizing them because I know they're heavy feeders?
3: Uh, Probably I would say go ahead and feed them maybe once more, and then just by that time, the days are going to be getting shorter. The temperatures are going to start getting cooler. And then that could be problematic, as far as what production wise you might be just wasting your let's say your money on fertilizing,
21: okay, yeah, I don't really do compost, maybe next year I'll get started in that, so I just use Miracle grow and a little fish emulsion, and it seems they are pretty productive.
3: That sounds good
21: with that, and I don't plant them in the ground; they're just one's in a five gallon bucket, one's in like another big five gallon nursery pot, right, so. Okay, well, I'll just cross my fingers and hope for the
3: best. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that so, sounds okay, good. Okay, well,
21: thanks a lot for the information.
3: Sure. Let's head over to Liz's yard. Hi, Liz. Hi,
21: Mike. Just have a quick question. Is it better to put preen down when the ground is somewhat wet and moist, or is it okay to do it now with potential rain coming? Um, is it better which way?
3: Yeah, it's either way is fine. Uh if you do it in, a, we don't know how much rain's coming, you put the preen and it could just basically wash it away. Okay. So that's what you have to watch if, I mean, it's a torrential downpour. And if it is in your neighborhood but not in mine, I mean, that's the whole thing about the this region where it's raining really hard. It may not be r- raining where you live.
21: Yeah, hard to tell. Right. So I guess I'll just wait and see what happens and put it down once it's, the ground is moist so that it can just kind of sink in then.
3: Right, exactly. Perfect. And then read the label because I mean it probably says you might you should probably water it in anyway to get it you know in contact with the ground. Okay. Okay. Well,
6: I thought it was easier to ask you to read the
3: label. (laughs) Right. But I can certainly do that. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Dee Dee's. Hi, Dee Dee. Hello. Hello? Didi, are you there oh I don't know my screw my screen went blank okay let's let's Sunny. are you there ooh trouble no, sc- no screen at all so some of the things that you need to be concerned with as far as if you have a deer problem, Is uh oh, <laughs> hello, Sonny. Are you there?
0: Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter
7: all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex.
0: Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here?
15: Your cold snap is over, old
10: man winter. Spring has arrived.
0: Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
2: I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things in Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts.
3: I'm not here. Hello, Didi? Yeah, go ahead.
6: Yeah. Um, I have a whiskey barrel that I want to—a whiskey barrel planter that I want to fill up and possibly put a bush in the middle and some flowers around that. Sure. And I I just wondered, is there a more uh, economical way to fill it? Should I fill it halfway with cheap topsoil and then— The potting soil on top of that, or what would you recommend?
3: I wouldn't fill it with cheap pots, (laughs) (laughs) topsoil. Okay. Maybe you could fill up with, uh, let's say, the bottom 25% with gravel or rock or something like that. Just make sure it's not limestone because the pH is going to be too alkaline. And then uh, just use, uh, you could use a potting mix or you could just use, you know, a a planter type of potting soil, like from uh, St. Louis composting. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And let's, Elma. Can you do it kind of quickly?
21: Uh, yes, I have a rose bush that has gone crazy this year. It's taller than I am, at five-six or, and uh, I was wondering, it's still blooming. Uh, I wonder when I can cut
3: it back. Uh, I just let the blooms that you, that are on there. Just leave them alone. Do you know? What type of rose this is? Is it a hybrid tea, is it a climber or what is you know what is it?
21: Well, it, it was a small bush but it went crazy this summer.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it's if it's that tall that's a, you know it may be a you know a climbing rose. So if
21: it, the, it never never was that tall before.
3: Okay. So I would say just wait until you know it finishes flowering and then go ahead and prune it and do the mulching for the wintertime. Well, okay. Thank you. Sure, my pleasure. Appreciate your call. Well, I appreciate you, and I appreciate everybody. Sorry, we had a little bit of a mess up there. I guess i i I didn't touch anything. At least I don't think so. But I was at the the house I was at uh, in Maryland Heights the other day. They've got a deer problem, and what something that kind of surprised me is you want the evergreen you which which you know has a climbing ability, has a red. F- red berries on it and everything else. The deer were eating that out of all the other things. I mean, they did some damage to some other things, but I'd never really known that the, the deer to eat that particular thing. And some of the other things, I'm going to send her the, the a list of all the things that the deer don't like, but uh, it's really amazing some of the damage that deer can do. So greatly appreciate it. The weather's getting cooler, and so we're going through that transition zone and that means a lot of the warm season things are going to start maybe slowing down a little bit. Not, you know, not finishing it off, but just, you know, keep taking care of everything. We, we may have some rain today, but we're going to have another stretch where there's not going to be any more moisture. And that's, you know, bad news for the plant material. So Mike Miller, K in Moist Garden Hotline, appreciate everybody having me on your show.